And you're here once again for this week in wrestling here on SCW. Welcome. If you're watching on YouTube, you may be listening as well in podcast form on Spotify, Apple, and all great podcasting platforms. Welcome to SCW once again for this week in wrestling. And what a week it has been. Uh, lots to be touching on today's show. In fact, the main topic we're going to be talking about also what's ahead. The WWE draft is tomorrow. SmackDown is tomorrow. So I'm going to give you the full SmackDown preview. So many matches have been announced for the show as well. So we're going to be talking about that in depth uh, as well as that as well. Well, we've got NXT that's been a big show this week with NXT TakeOver. Uh, there looks to be a big injury as well, unfortunately, to what was a big cliffhanger from TakeOver this week. Going to be touching on WWE's Raw. Uh, Retribution have a leader, but have they lost another member? We'll have to wait and see as we go through the show there. And as well as that, can be talking about AEW. We've had 30 years of Chris Jericho and potentially one of the matches of the year. And uh, we'll be touching on Impact Wrestling as well. Uh, there's another match that's been announced for Bound for Glory. So lots to dive into, lots to stick around for make sure to like share and subscribe make sure to hit the bell as well be up to date when all videos are released but um i am joined by a very special guest today as always for the podcast i'm george by the joined by the one and only george jones easy for me to say george how are you doing this thursday afternoon i'm very well thanks thank you for having me back on the show we're really looking forward to this really excited for the podcast it's been another fantastic week in wrestling uh, before we go any further how are you today yeah, everything's really good, thank you. Yeah, it's uh, really good to be back talking on the podcast once again. And uh, like I said, it seems to be such an eventful time in wrestling at the moment. So much is going on. So many big events and you know, coming up in the next sort of couple of weeks as well. Like I said, the draft starting tomorrow will continue on Monday. So the draft will be also talked about next week as well. Uh, there will be a video actually with all the draft members that will be done for each show as well. So plenty of reasons for people to check out on the channel. And uh, as well, we are actually looking to do a WrestleMania 17 podcast as well, which will be coming up in the channel in the next week or two but so without further ado let's get straight into Smackdown shall we the preview uh, so much that's going to be predicted for this show and let's go for the matches first before we go into the draft itself now uh, the biggest surprise for me is that we've got the Smackdown Women's Championship match from Bailey against Sasha Banks that's going to be advertised for this show uh, for me it could be a big ratings pull it could be the idea of why WWE is pulling the trigger to do this on weekly TV for Fox but it is a big surprise this this seems to have been building for nearly a year uh, instead of it being on a big pay-per-view it could be just on Smackdown does that take you by surprise yeah I definitely agree I think it's a big shot but for me I personally don't think this match is happening I think we're going to get uh, Bailey take out Sasha before the match happens I can't see them giving away this match on TV I get it for the ratings and stuff but I think they need to have as minimal contact before their pay-per-view match with me so I don't see the match happening what's your thoughts on that Steve I think it's a great shout, personally. I mean, like you said, with someone that can stop the match before it starts or one of them false finishes, you know, a lot of the time you see matches and think to yourself, well, hang on, we're getting this now and not on the pay-per-view, but really what they're doing is it's just a stepping stone for the pay-per-view. They're probably gauging interest, trying to hook you in to see how interested you are in this match. Maybe if this is a big rating for this and the draft, if both women stay on the same show, which would be a big theme, of course, of this podcast, maybe they get the main event slot of the pay-per-view and how great would that be? We speculated that could be the main event match uh, via WrestleVotes last week. Um, would you be happy to see it as the, the main event for Hell in a Cell? 100%. This has been the, one of the best built-up feuds in the whole of WWE at the moment, so I'm, I'm a massive fan of it. And it's definitely got main event level, so I think it's, it's definitely the stipulation they're going to have at Hell in a Cell as well. It, for me, that's a perfect main event, really. Absolutely, I would agree 100% with that one. And uh, I think we both go to say that we think minimal contact or some sort of screwy false finish here will throw this one into a further date. But um, of course, I mean, if the belt does change hands, we do get a clear finish. 
that probably means one of them is moving shows. So that's always an interesting thing to keep an eye out for. Um, there is a Force Count Anywhere match that's been announced as well. And I like that this stipulation has been put in here for Big E versus Sheamus because uh, it's, it's a bit of fun, really. You can do this all the way over the Amway Center. Um, it's something different rather than just looking, you know, at a ring you know, without fans. I know we have the Zoom screens, but still, it's still not the exact same as that passionate fan base that you have. I'm really looking forward to this match. I know it's probably like the sleeper match of this SmackDown card, but um, I think that this really could deliver on the night. Yeah, I think this will be a very fun match. I think they're two sort of different styles, and I think both of them have got some really, really good like move sets. And I really like anything with Sheamus, particularly when you take away the whole normality of a normal match. I think his match against Jeff Hardy previously in the bar, I really enjoyed that. I'm hoping it'll be kind of similar. I'm hoping they'll use certain artifacts around the arena, sort of backstage areas as well, to make the match better. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, this could literally go anywhere. It could go backstage, the parking lot. Hell, it probably could go right in with the Zoom screens. We'll have to wait and see. It could be a lot of fun to watch this one. Uh, a big rumour that's come out this week as well, which I'm going to touch with you now quickly, George, is that um, I've seen a rumour going around along the dirt sheets that uh, the early favourite for the Men's Royal Rumble match could in fact be Big E. Um, I mean, this would be monumental if he was to win the Royal Rumble match. Yeah, I, I think that'd be a massive sort of swerve, if that makes sense. I, I get that he's kind of on a push... Um... I can kind of see it. But then who do we see him facing for the belt then? Who, who's the counterpart at WrestleMania we see him facing in the ring? Well, providing he stays on SmackDown, you would imagine that Roman Reigns would be the guy uh, for that point. But, uh, I mean, it all has to be seeing what happens with the draft. I mean, that's the, the beautiful thing with this. It's a very unpredictable time in wrestling right now. Yeah, it is. I, I think you never know what's coming next. I really like the whole undecisiveness, but I could see him definitely winning. He's definitely going to be in there. I could see him doing maybe uh, an old-style Kane and eliminating loads of people either way. I think he'll definitely have an impact in this match. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like you say, it's that big push. It's the, the good direction forward. It's to make Big E look strong. And uh, I think they're going to do that continuing uh, this Friday on SmackDown as well. I expect him to win that Falls Count Anywhere match. Uh, another match that's been building over the last week, and we didn't really see this one coming, did we, when we were doing the podcast last week? Kevin Owens is against The Fiend. Now, this is the first time The Fiend is actually going to be on weekly TV. Um, you know, he's always only competed on pay-per-views. So this will be the first time Fox, Friday Night SmackDown, they're going to get The Fiend on TV. I think it should be quite exciting. They've built it quite well over the last week. Yeah, I think this will be a fun match. I think it'll be great to see that element. I think the dynamic between The Fiend and Owens is something different. Um, for me, I think we're going to probably, I think Fiend probably has to win here though, but it's great to see Kevin Owens over on the blue round. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, maybe this is almost like a, a telltale sign, really, because Kevin Owens, of course, has been the second week he'll be on SmackDown. We've seen The Fiend on Raw as well this week, or technically we've seen Bray Wyatt's Five Funhouse on Raw. I do wonder if that was an idea of actually of something of things to come, whether they'll both be on the same show afterwards, or are they trying to gauge ratings what they see with Kevin Owens on SmackDown and with Bray Wyatt on Raw? How do you kind of see this playing out? Or do you think that this has sort of impact on what decisions will be made for the draft? Uh, maybe you never know but for me I, I think that sort of this is just natural for the feud they're progressing I think the thing is you've got the whole Kevin Owens as the black thing still going on in the background but this is a great sort of avenue to I think personally the whole thing's just been built really to get uh, sort of the fiend and sort of on Raw such a Bray Wyatt on Raw this week I think as you said it's testing grounds just to see what the ratings are and what the reaction is but for me I think Kevin Owens definitely should go to SmackDown I think, I think he needs that move 
yeah, I mean, personally for you, uh, me, I think that's the same thing. He needs to do it. It's just a fresh start. I don't know, on Raw recently, he's been winning matches, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, he's found himself in Raw Underground. I feel the feud with Alistair Black has been a bit lacklustre. I mean, it shouldn't be. They're both two amazing athletes. But something's not quite clicked there in recent times on Raw. I wouldn't mind seeing him go to, to SmackDown. The same Alistair Black, to be truthful. And it feels that like that feud, like you say, is not quite finished yet. But um, I want to get your draft predictions in a minute, George. But first off, just one more touch from SmackDown. And this has also uh, kind of been a new story that's been going through this week, of course. We've got the um, lawyers kind of storyline that's been going on with Otis and the money in the bank. We're going to find out this week, of course, Otis is representing himself. If he'll keep the money in the bank or if he'll lose it to Miz. Apparently, according to those trusty, source-worthy people, WrestleVotes, uh, there has been plenty of ideas going around backstage of how to get the briefcase off of Otis, um, which is quite good. And um, most to the point as well, they said that it could be uh, very cleverly done the way it's been portrayed. But the problem is Vince McMahon is very high on Otis. So far, everything feels like it's going to be a no-go. So Otis probably more than likely will keep that briefcase. Um, how do you see it playing on Friday? Because it's been a very unique storyline, to say the very least. Yeah, I don't, unfortunately, I don't see him getting the briefcase off Otis as much. I'd like to see that personally. I think um, he's obviously had that sort of as a tool. It's an element in his repertoire, particularly the lunchbox element of it. It's something funny, it's comedy, it's lighthearted. Um, for me, the only way I can kind of see them getting this off him is somewhere or another if, he, if there's a deal to get him to Raw where he gets to be back with Mandy Rose in, in place of the briefcase or something like that, something ridiculous like that. But um, for me, I see Otis keeping the briefcase, but I do see him failing to cash in at some point, sort of probably within the next sort of three or four months, maybe, hopefully. We'll have to see how it'll play out. I mean, personally for me, I agree with you. I think that uh, he'll probably keep the briefcase. I don't see the point of it going to the Miz, personally. I don't see how that would be a successful cash-in. I think if it's going to go to someone, it needs to go to someone that would cash in successfully um, and make a good run of it. And like you say, the potential he could go to Raw. Maybe he's reunited with Mandy Rose. Maybe he cashes it on her behalf. Maybe it's the tag team title, sort of heavy machinery with Tucker. Or maybe he just holds that briefcase so long that he runs out of time to cash it in. That's a storyline we've never seen on WWE. So uh, in, in ways, I'm kind of a fan that Otis still has it because, I mean, they have a year for them to actually cash in the briefcase and you don't always have you know these stars made and built overnight the only problem i find is that i don't see otis as a believable world champion and i think that's the place i struggle with and i do feel that uh, since he won the briefcase he did have a period over the summer where he kind of went missing off tv but it's good to see him back in place now on smackdown they're trying to do something with it um and hopefully after this next week whether it's smackdown or raw they can continue building on otis and maybe we might believe more and like you say three or four months time he may cash it in and we might start feeling differently about it we'll have to wait and see what happens but um the draft as we say then is the big thing that's going to pull everybody and we've got these great matches and angles that have been thrown there but the draft is the name of the game friday it starts on friday it finishes on raw just to give people a little bit of you know knowledge of how the draft is going to work or how it's most likely going to work uh, we're probably going to see the same again what we saw of the usa network and fox as well we're going to be sitting around the desk we're going to have the draft picks given out now previous ones in 2016 and 2019 we've seen raw get free draft picks to smackdowns too now the reason for that is that raw is a three-hour show compared to SmackDown's two hours. So Raw usually gets the extra draft picked every single time because Raw needs a bigger roster. So that's what's been happening the last couple of times. I expect it will happen this time. Last year, which was different to any other time we've seen with the draft, not every superstar was eligible on SmackDown. So we had a pool of superstars that were available for one show and a pool of superstars that were available for Raw. This could be a way as well to protect your world champions and the women's champions from looking like there's favoritism. So wouldn't be surprised to see perhaps Reigns and Drew on one draft 
and then Bailey and Oscar on the other draft. So there's lots of different ways they could go around and about this. But either way, it's very exciting. We don't know what's going to happen. I will say now that if you want to see my predictions, but do it after this podcast, go onto youtube.com, go and check it out. Mine is there, full length, full detail, everything there to fill your boots off. But today on this podcast, I want George's predictions. I want to know, George, who do you think is going to be moving shows? Who are the big heavy hitters? Who does, which show? Who needs who? What's going to, how is it going to play out? Okay, no, no problem. Thank you for that. I, I think, um, should we start people going to SmackDown first from Raw? Is, it, is that okay? Yeah, we can go then moving to SmackDown from Monday Night Raw. Okay, so I've got, I'll start sort of at the top. So I've got one of two people as probably one of the main people. The, top, the one of two I've got, I've, I've either got Kevin Owens or Keith Lee. Uh, I know Keith Lee's been only on Raw probably a couple of weeks. WWE clearly need to move somebody across to sort of SmackDown, in my opinion, to replace who they're going to be getting potentially. So I'm going to go for one of them too. If I'm going to lean to one of them out of the two, I would go to Kevin Owens. I don't know how that will affect the whole feud he's got with The Fiend at the moment and Alistair Black. I'm not too sure. My secondary pick on that one is Alistair Black. I think Alistair Black could do with a move. I think ever since Paul Heyman unfortunately got demoted or changed the job title, he's never really had the same momentum and push. And I think uh, he could do something good on SmackDown. I think he'd be a really good heel on SmackDown. He'd create something different. Uh, if we're looking at some other people to move as well, I'm looking at Andrade to move to SmackDown. Uh, the reason for that is Andrade, since the tag team with Hector Garza has kind of sort of sort of stopped and sort of sort of stopped, no, sorry Angel Garza, sorry not Hector Garza. Uh, since that tag team kind of stopped, um, he's kind of doing nothing now. He much needs a win or and a move. So I think he could either go to either SmackDown or NXT. I think that would do him good. And then we're looking at some other people to go to SmackDown as well. Another person I've got, this is maybe not unlikely, but I'd like to see it happen, is Ricochet. I think Ricochet at the moment, he's kind of stuck in the middle. He's obviously in between this whole hurt business retribution kind of feud. But I think Ricochet needs to move. I think he needs to go to SmackDown and kind of relaunch himself in probably the mid-card a bit, which will be something new. If we're looking at other people, I think they could go to SmackDown. The other people I've got, I've got Bobby Roode. I think he had some moment of brilliance a couple of weeks ago when he faced Drew McIntyre. But I think he definitely needs a move. I think he could do some good work on SmackDown as well. The other one I've got going to SmackDown as well. I've got Dolph Ziggler. Dolph Ziggler's another one. He hasn't done anything for ages. Ever since he failed to get the belt off Drew McIntyre, he's kind of never, ever really kind of recovered. He's been stuck in more underground, kind of doing nothing. So a move to SmackDown, I think, would be good. I really think you could sort of do some great work with him, definitely. Particularly if Otis stays on SmackDown, then I think that they could have some sort of feud, maybe, because they've never paid that off from March still. And then we've also got another one. A diva to move, I think, going from sort of uh, SmackDown to Raw, oh, sorry, no, going to SmackDown from Raw, yeah, is Peyton Royce. Peyton Royce is destined for a singles push. Um, I think she needs to get far away from her old partner, so I'd like to see that. And then if we're looking at um, kind of the final person I had basically to go to SmackDown from Raw was, um, actually, no, I think that's it. The whole people, that's everybody I had actually from SmackDown. Would you like me to do Raw? Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, I've got one more. Actually, I've got one more. Actually, let me think. Sorry, uh, I've missed one. The most important one, probably, other than that, is AJ Styles. I think AJ Styles clearly is unhappy about working Fridays, as you said in your prediction video. And I think he wants to get onto Raw so he can go and see his son's basketball games. I think that's the number one. Yeah, no, it sounds a likely one if AJ Styles to Raw. Is there other ones you've got for them that would go from SmackDown to Monday nights? Yeah, no problem. So the, the first one I've got here, I've got the Fiend. I think um, clearly they're, they're testing the waters, as you said. I think he needs something new. I think the whole thing with him on Raw is something different. I think Drew needs a hill opponent down the line. So I think that's kind of, I think the Drew versus Fiend feud could happen if the Fiend's built up. I think that'd be something I'd like to see. You've also got the history between the Fiend and Seth Rollins, which could come back into play. I'd also quite like to see the Fiend and maybe Retribution do something together, although they're probably heels. I think that could kind of work in a bit of a weird way. Another person I think I could see going to Raw, which would be a big kind of acquisition if they did it, would be Big E. 
Biggie currently at the moment, ever since his partner in crime, Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods are injured. As I said, he's on the singles push, but I think Raw's the brand. I'd love to see him go across to Raw and potentially do something with the Hurt Business. I think he could be an element. Maybe if you put him with Apollo Crews or something, they can then build up some sort of babyface stable against Clan of the Hurt Business as such. The other people I've got going to Raw, I've got Alexa Bliss. Clearly, she's going to have to go wherever the wherever, wherever the Fiend is going, based on kind of what they've been doing recently. Uh, I could really see her as like a Fiend-type character in about a month's time. I could see her eventually having a program against Oscar, which I think will be really, really good. I think that'd be really entertaining. And then if we're kind of looking at another few people to go, I've got um, Shorty G. Shorty G, as I said, is doing nothing on SmackDown. Uh, he's obviously needs to be needs a fresh chance. I think on Raw it could be a good opportunity. I think they should just drop the Shorty G name there. I think he has to go back to Chad Gable, and I think um, it could be really, really good. And my kind of final one from going to Raw from SmackDown, this was one or two people. So I've got it down to either Matt Riddle or King Corbin. Uh, it depends on what WWE Raw is short of, in my opinion. So I, I think, uh, looking at I think we're going to get King Corbin move. Raw lacks, basically, it seems to lack sort of major heels, in my opinion, or people that are heels, if that makes sense, that are in that mid-card role, uh, that are not in stables. So I can see King Corbin moving. And the kind of final thing I've got, I've got the NXT call-ups as well that I think will happen. I've got that down to kind of one of potential three, maybe. Go on, then. Give us those names for us. Okay, so the first one, hopefully, uh, is amazing. We're hoping this happens. It should it should happen. Really, this person's talented enough is Rhea Ripley. I think clearly she would be great in any sort of brand she's put in. She's done it all in NXT. I think it's, she's better than that than feuding, kind of in feuds going nowhere. So I'd like to see her back up there. Um, my next one as well um, is none other than Chelsea Green. Chelsea Green hasn't been on NXT TV for ages. We thought originally she was in Retribution. Obviously, that didn't pay off. It didn't happen yet. And I think she's destined for a call-in. So I could see Chelsea Green going up on either Raw or SmackDown quite easily. And my kind of final two I've got for NXT, I did have originally Johnny Gargano. But um, I think looking at this past week's TV, I don't think he's going to go up now. I think they're clearly building something else. They've got another storyline going on with him, so it's not. And I've got one other long shot that I don't know whether they're going to do this now or whether they're going to delay it probably to the next call-ups in April, maybe. And that's Karrion Cross. I can see Karrion Cross maybe as a big surprise coming back on one of the brands, maybe, potentially, because he's destined for the main roster. Yeah, that would be a big move if Karrion Cross was to turn up. And, of course, he has been pictured in the gym, so I don't know how far away he is or how bad the injury was, but uh, if he was to come in, I agree with you. I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Karrion Cross make that move there. But um, a lot of movers and shakers there, and I like the, the sound of a lot of those names there that could be moving and a lot of the purposes for them. Uh, like you said there, with, with names like AJ Styles there, The Fiend, Alexa Bliss, I mean, that would really strengthen Raw. I love the idea of, like, perhaps potentially Keith Lee going to SmackDown. Now, I know that um, the idea that Keith Lee, like you say, he's only been on, on Raw for a few weeks, but um, he seems to have been kind of mismanaged, if you want, there. And the fact you didn't mention Braun Strowman in those names either, that would be a ready-made feud for them to have on the SmackDown brand. And uh, I think that'd be really good. And of course, Keith Lee against Roman Reigns, what a major match that could be somewhere down the line. Yeah, definitely. Thank you for the feedback. I think, it, I think it's really, really hard. I think the hardest thing about predicting this draft is we're in the middle of a pay-per-view build. So the fact they're going to have to do this draft and people are feuding and stuff, it's just... Um, and what If it does make it very exciting, though, I think what would be the interesting thing is whether we get any of the major champions potentially switching brands. So, say, for example, Roman Reigns takes the SmackDown title to Raw and Drew takes the Raw title to SmackDown. I'm just not too sure how that plays out with a pay-per-view upcoming. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. It's where it can get a bit messy. Usually we have the IC title and the US title. We're usually the two that trade. And they say every champion is potential to move over. But um, it does seem a bit weird if you have like a SmackDown Women's Champion or a SmackDown Tag Team Champion and vice versa with Raw on the opposite show. I mean, do they just change the belts over? I mean, it gets a bit messy, doesn't it? 
Yeah, I think the thing is, I think you've clearly got this open policy on Raw and SmackDown. So I think no matter, even when people move, I still think there's a good chance to come to virus series, we'll get people jumping back and forth, making cameos on shows. Definitely. Yeah, that's always the thing. I mean, like you say, that we're making these these drafts now and all these sorts, of, you know, potential movers and shakers, and then literally in about two weeks' time, everyone's going to be on every show anyway. Because, like you said, they'll be building up for Survivor Series. It'll be interesting to see if they do Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT again. Of course, NXT not going to have the takeover the night before this year, so that's uh, certainly a little interesting omen of what that could link into. But of course, uh, NXT has been kept away from Raw and SmackDown recently. Of course, the uh, you know, the recent COVID stuff that's been going on as well. So there's uh, lots of speculation in the air, but certainly with the draft there, it's certainly going to be a, a very exciting prospect. I'm really looking forward to seeing how it's going to play out. Like you say there, with the idea of it going in between the pay-per-view at the moment, we're sort of in the middle of that build. At least we've got a couple of matches that have been announced. We know we've got Roman Reigns and Jey Uso once again. Uh, we'll have to see what that will lead to. Of course, it's going to be uh, the biggest consequence if Jey Uso seems to lose. And uh, there are rumours about going around that uh, perhaps maybe it could lead to the Uso's perhaps being a part of a stable with Roman Reigns, which uh, would certainly be interesting if that was against the Usos' will rather than them just literally turning heel. Perhaps it could be a natural thing where it evolves over time and they start getting used to doing things and happy to do things for Roman Reigns. It could be an interesting storyline that could play out. Yeah, definitely. I think it'd be interesting to see what they do. I think the main problem I've got probably with this pay-per-view coming up is it's rematches again in the main event. I'm just, um, for me, I you see a match once and unless it's been a particularly sensational feud, I think... Um, I'm not a kind of massive fan, but I think Imran, I think this paper has got a great chance, particularly the main events, to do something really, if they are the main event, if, if, if it's not the women as such. Yeah, we'll have to see. Well, we know we have one other match currently that's been announced for the, the show, which, of course, this will be inside Hell in a Cell for sure. Uh, Drew McIntyre against Randy Orton. Like you say, it's uh, three strikes and you're out for Randy. It's one last chance for him. But um, it always feels like that um, if they're going to do the third match, and I think we said this before, surely he has to win it, doesn't he? Yeah, he has to do it. I, th I think the thing is, if Randy loses here, the problem is, unless you're going to move someone across to, to challenge Drew next, it's going to have to be Randy that wins. Do you see Do you see Randy winning here? Surely he has to win. If he doesn't, who, who's Drew going to face at the next pay-per-view after? That's the problem. Well, that's the thing. I mean, with Survivor Series, you usually have the Raw versus SmackDown elements. So there could be it could be Drew versus Roman. Who, who knows? That could be the case of what they might do. And then when it comes to December, that might be, depending on the movers, maybe a Braun Strowman, maybe a Fiend. Maybe AJ Styles. There's, there's lots of potential ones that could be the going for Drew McIntyre. So it almost feels that maybe in one way, Drew McIntyre will retain for a third time. But at the same time, um, for Randy Orton, that's such a great 2020. I just don't want to see, you know, the wheels come off really at that sort of latter part of the year because he's done so well. And, you know, Randy Orton's just been on a different level. So I want to see him kind of walk away with the championship at some stage because I just feel like he's he's earned it this year. I mean, he's almost gone from that superstar that's just seen as the, the legend that's around and kind of putting the younger talent over. It's almost as if he said, no, I'm still the guy and can hold that title for, you know, years to come. So, I mean, I feel Randy kind of deserves it in one way, but I wouldn't be surprised to see Drew retain because like we said, there are so many names that it could go over that could be future opponents for McIntyre. Yeah, I'd agree. I, th I think the only thing that kind of puts me a, a bit of fear is the fact that obviously Drew this week got pinned for one of the first times in ages by Randy, which was it's one of the first times I think in probably months that Drew's actually lost the match by getting pinned. So I'm hoping that's not an omen for sort of um, what's going to happen really. 
Well, actually, funny you mention it. I believe it's actually the first time since November last year. Oh, okay. that's, wow. that's how far yeah. back we're going. So yeah. Drew's been on a mega run and uh, not been losing matches cleanly, or certainly if he's been losing matches, perhaps in a tag and it's usually the partner that would be the one to do. Drew doesn't have his shoulders usually pinned to the mat. But um, a little, little interesting omen as well with Drew McIntyre that I've seen come out this week. This comes via WrestleTalk, that apparently there was a UK event planned for this year, but it was had to be cancelled due to uh, the pandemic, of course, that was going on. And um, But they're still continuing their Twitter beef. It was supposedly going to be Drew McIntyre against Tyson Fury. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it'd be okay for spectacle. I, I kind of get it. Um, it it'd probably do what it needs to do. I think it would have got a crowd in, but I just think it's sort of, it's filler, isn't it? Let's be fair. I, I think it's it's great for publicity to bring that publicity to WWE, but for me, I just don't think it does anything. What I want to see, I want to see, as I said, previous podcasts, Drew face people where we think, oh no, he's going to lose a belt here. He's got a chance to lose it. I'm not saying it's, there's nothing wrong with him winning and retaining every single month, but at least let's go into a feud where we're questioning who's going to win this match. Absolutely. I mean, the only thing I would have felt with it is that Tyson Fury, I don't believe, has lost in boxing. So it would have been a kind of case of how do you kind of keep his undefeated thing going on and Drew's, it just would be a bit messy. I think it's a no contest. Has to be a no contest, surely, or interference. Randy comes in and attacks Drew or something like that, probably. Absolutely, and that's the thing. I mean, if you're going to have that on a UK spectacle, I'd rather, in a way, have Drew McIntyre against someone that's an established name in wrestling so you can have that potential five-star classic if you're coming all the way to show us an event. But um, at the same time, I, I obviously, if there ever is a show in the UK, obviously, it would be an amazing spectacle, and I think many fans would be very passionate and keen to go and see it. So um, that would be pretty cool. But we mentioned there, of course, a lot about Drew McIntyre. He's a part of the Raw brand at the moment. And, of course, Raw this week had one big uh, talking point, of course, happen, and it's, of course, Retribution, our favourite topic on a weekly basis, George. And uh, this one really sort of come out of left field, but really has legs potentially to go somewhere should they do it right. Now, Ali, uh, of course, was having a match of MVP. This match actually stemmed from earlier in the evening after the Hurt Business had beat Apollo and Ricochet. They seem to have always had these combination matches going on. Ali wanted to prove that he could beat MVP once again after doing it the week previous. We had the Retribution lights go out and of course the Retribution come across those Zoom screens. We had actually an, a few members of Retribution turn up. We had the T-Bar, Mace and of course Slapjack turn up with a couple of uh, extras as well. It looked like that uh, the Hurt Business had invited Ali along there to say come on, protect us and we can all work together here rather than actually being you know, divided and beaten up. And uh, Ali looked to be in on it for the, for the short time. He went outside, he confronted uh, Mace and T-Bar but of course, it was all a setup. He turned around, pointed and showed the direction he wanted. And of course, the Hurt Business got hurt on Raw. Retribution, of course, were getting the best of them. And it now proves that Ali is the leader of Retribution. Certainly came out of nowhere, but certainly has potential to say Ali, a very creditable superstar. Uh, someone that was meant to have a big push last year, which of course didn't happen after he got injured and then Kofi Mania took over. He was meant to win the money in the bank. Of course, Brock Lesnar come in and took that opportunity at the last minute. Um, so it looks like Ali certainly was someone who could do with Retribution. Um, I think it could prove to be a stroke of genius if booked correctly. But, um, George, I'd like to know your thoughts on this. Yeah, I thought it was very, very clever. I've got to give Dolly the credit. I think um, this angle, as we said last week, looked to be dead and buried. I think um, the way they did it was excellent. I was thinking to myself, as the show went on, I'd love to see sort of Ali sort of have a group or something. But it's great to see Ali relevant again. Ali's there with a main storyline. He's got a real good chance now to follow up what he kind of did towards the beginning in 2019, where he was close to sort of winning sort of and challenging for titles as such. I'm really looking forward to that element, how it plays up. I think he's a, a great addition. Uh, the only thing I would like to have seen, I'd like to have seen him being unmasked down the line. I think it's, it's interesting 
interesting you've got this dynamic. I'm interested to see how, what he, how he fits into Retribution as a leader, how he sort of influences and all this. I think his promo work will be good enough. I think he's good enough to carry the angle. And I think this is a really good angle. I think the only thing I think that maybe lets us down a little bit is the, the fact that they're attacking hills. I think I, if, this would be much better if this was done on, on baby faces rather than hills. I don't know what your thoughts are that, Steve. Yeah, that's the interesting part here because it's a heel stable against a heel stable, isn't it? And of course, even Dave Meltzer's actually come and said it will be heel versus heel. Um, I mean, it's an exciting dynamic, but it does kind of remind me of like 1997. We had kind of those heel stables against each other. It was, I believe, the Nation of Domination, DOA and Los Bariquas going on at the time. It does feel like it needs some baby faces just to break this up a little bit and just have something going on with this. But perhaps maybe it's something can come later in the pipeline. Um, I feel that... Um, it proves here it will be retribution against WWE in some format. Maybe the Hurt Business are the first people they take on. Maybe at least them against each other at Survivor Series. Maybe it becomes WWE versus retribution, almost a la like a Nexus thing in previous. There's lots of different ways they could go down this, but um, I'm really interested to see how they're going to explain everything they've done to this point because, um, I mean, Ali at this point was supposed to be the SmackDown hacker earlier this year. They didn't quite pan out. They, they dropped that angle, it seemed, at the time. Um, you know, Retribution be doing lots of different things from week to week. Some things have been cool and interesting. Some have kind of made no sense at all. Maybe there's a way they can make everything connect the dots and it looks like it was complete genius. I mean, when you look at Retribution, they are raw only, but now maybe it makes sense they're raw only because Ali is on raw and can't go on SmackDown. So what's the point of them being able to do that? So there are ways that they can get around this. Do you have faith in WWE to actually now, you know, put the bits together and make this storyline complete? Uh, no, no, unfortunately not. I'll, I'll, tell you what, I'll tell you what the positives and negatives are about the whole angle, really, in all, se- in all, in all essence. If we go for the positives first, so a couple of credits. I think Mace uh, has done some fantastic mannerisms and facial work for me. I think he's, a, he's done a fantastic job so far in his, in his new character. I think he really adds a sense of fear. I think um, Dominic, Dominic Dijakovic, I'm enjoying his work as well. I even think Shane Fawn's work. I think all their work is good. I think where this, obviously, where the trouble is, where this falls down, is the fact you've still got these mindless other idiots there and masks and nobody knows who they are. What WWE are going to have to start doing if they want to add another four or five people to the group and they want them to be masked and they want to have the whole numbers game going on, they need to make sure they're putting people under the mask. They're going to pay off in the end. Because I don't know if you find it, I find it silly at any moment you get numbers, numerous numbers and they're never revealing half these people are. And I just think it just doesn't really sort of make sense. But if we're looking at a kind of a positive as well, I think Ali, as you said earlier, I think he's going to be a good choice. I think it, they've got great element and great potential to pay off the whole sort of hacker storyline. But for me, I think that's just going to be forgotten. I don't see WWE revealing that he was the hacker. I think it's, it's one of the things where they could have done it. And if you look back at one of the Retribution things, when Retribution took off the uh, TV picture a couple of weeks ago, that would have been a perfect time to have Ali doing some sort of hacking video. Do you not think, do you not think that's a missed opportunity? Uh, yeah, potentially. I mean, of course, if you want to connect everything together with the hacker storyline as well, I mean, that's the thing is, uh, do we have the confidence of them to do that? And like you said there, I mean, I don't have the full confidence. WWE has given me hope so many times in the past to unfortunately give a bit of disappointment at the finish. And with this storyline, I've really been hot and cold with it. So now I feel like this is a, a hot moment. I kind of feel that this time, because it's had so many cold moments, I feel like I'm feeling warm at the minute. I need WWE to give me some good explanation and good feelings to make me feel like I'm really, really invested in it. Um, 
there, there are some good things, and like you said, there there are some positive things that come with retribution. Like you said, the people under those masks are, are very talented, and of course, Ali did a fantastic tweet this week, which kind of almost summed up what retribution can be about. I mean, Ali showed that moment that he was robbed at Money in the Bank last year. Dominic Najkovic destroyed, and I think Keith Lee looking over him or his matches with Keith Lee. It's not 100% clear in that picture, but I, I'm going to take it to perhaps some of the moments of where Karrion Cross maybe annihilated him earlier this year. You look at the likes of Shane Fawn, someone that's you know was meant to be on Raw, part of the Hurt business. He was MVP's first, one of his first clients, but wasn't around. Um, you know, and Mia Yim was involved there as well. I mean, there's lots of things. Dio Madden was F5 by Brock Lesnar for an announce table and then wasn't brought back as a commentator. There are things of retribution. If they can play those things into the storyline, there can be a bit of a buzz. Um, but it's just finding a way to make things connect the dots. And if they can connect the dots, I will have faith in it again. But um, at this moment, I, I unfortunately, I am a bit lukewarm with it. Yeah, I, th I think a couple of things you said there. I think the biggest problem they're going to have is how they explain why Ali's called Ali still, and then you got Slapjack and all the other names. It, that, that's, a, that's the breakdown for me. As I said, what should have happened is, it's nothing wrong with Ali being the leader. Uh, I wish when they started this angle that Ali was planned out with, with strategy and points to reveal him and stuff. And for me, Ali should have been masked. I think they should have done Ali masked, and then down the line you can get a reveal at Survivor Series, Ali turning on WWE or whatever. You've got that payoff then. He doesn't need it. He can be known as whatever then, if that makes sense. But I, I just think that's the trouble. I think it's very much half in, half out. But let's hope now. They've got these members. Um, I hope that they're going to pay off. I'm, I was happy to see them have a leader. I thought it was a nice swerve. I'm going to give it to WWE. I really enjoyed that on this week's Raw. I didn't see it coming, really. I, I hoped it happened, but I didn't see it coming. And I really hope that WWE do this. I'll give WWE some credit. In the last kind of few months since Retribution has started, for me personally, I know a lot of people hate them, but they've created interest in me. I think it's something interesting. It's something different. I just don't know how long they can keep it going without it being stupid, really. That's the thing. They need to keep it going and they have to keep it interesting. And like you say, he's putting the, those dots together. And like you say, with those, uh, almost those other mystery people, there needs to be the payoff with it. And like you say, there could have been a nice payoff if there had been a swerve like that, a, a, a pay-per-view rather than actually weekly TV. But of course, ratings seem to, to matter more. And these things will create better ratings. So that in some sense is a good thing from WWE. They have to be given credit for that point. But um, it'll be interesting to see if those other extras under those masks will be more NXT superstars that eventually could partake in, in this Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT at Survivor Series. There's lots of different variables they, they could go about it, but one person that could be out of retribution, which is quite interesting, is Mercedes Martinez. And the reason for this, she wasn't featured in Arlene's tweet at all. Now, all these other names have been given to these retribution members, like you say. Mercedes Martinez was meant to be given one, but it's not been made real public. She hasn't got a Twitter account with it. Maybe she's been quietly dropped from the group. It's just something that's gone in the room meal over the last 24 hours. But um, what are your thoughts on it? Yeah, I, I don't see her being dropped. I think she's still going to be ret retaliation. I think that was her name. Um, yeah, I'd be surprised if she's dropped, really. I think um, it would be a shame, really, for them to, to drop her after the good work she's done. She's clearly talented, great on the mic. She did a lot of the beginning promos for Retribution. So I hope it's not true. I'm hoping this is probably more to do with just temporary, like COVID or something. I hope, I hope sort of it's nothing long-term and she's kind of not had any sort of serious issues, really. Yeah, fingers crossed uh, that, uh, that she's all healthy and safe and stuff and uh, hopefully she will be still part of the group because I do think her and Mia have kind of a, a menacing you know, look as a team, I think, as well. And I think that they could be really good for the women's tag team division, actually, in the short term, you know, because, I mean, if one or both of them were rivaling over the women's championship, that would seem a little bit crazy. So I'd like to see them go for the tag belts. And uh, I feel we're always it's starting to try and establish that women's tag team division going off there with the number of teams they've got. Hopefully they don't undo all that work when it comes to the draft this week. But um, 
certainly one of the highlights of Raw as well, I think, was the, the women's tag team title match. I think they had a good match with, uh, you know, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler successfully defeating the right squad. I think that uh, all ladies actually did really well with this. Yeah, it, it was a, it was a comfortable match to watch. I think I don't think it was anything too outstanding, but I, I wouldn't say there's anything wrong with it. I quite enjoyed it. Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, the the ladies actually did quite well on the night, and uh, I think that. The WWE, they're, they're trying to make this women's tag team division something uh, after a long time. I mean, so many teams broke up, even the Iconics recently breaking up as well. But um, hopefully they'll continue to keep these teams together and they can build this division going forward. It'll be interesting to see how that's going to look after the draft. But um, we mentioned, of course, these people potentially coming from NXT. Let's talk about NXT next now, shall we? Because uh, NXT's had a very eventful week. They've had a, a great takeover. They've now changed the performance centre. It's now the Capital Wrestling Centre, which uh, has a brand new look now uh, with all the zoom screens it seems to have like fencing around the plexiglass uh, it's really got like this fight club feel i feel and um certainly looks quite intriguing what are your thoughts of the the new look nxt yeah i really enjoyed it i really like the whole retro type vibe from it with a modern twist I, I thought it was really good it was great to see the takeover at this new new arena and i think it creates that whole sort of continuity you got clear we've got the whole thunderdome going on and the fact you've got a mini thunderdome now in nxt i think it's great it's better than kind of the performance center in my opinion yeah, absolutely. I think the, the changes they've made are, are really exciting. And certainly it's had a, a fresh feel watching NXT these last two shows. I really feel like it's uh, it's gone up a level. It feels important. Uh, not that it didn't feel important before, but I feel like it's gone a different level. And I think that that's really exciting for NXT going forward. And of course, probably the biggest story coming from TakeOver is that we had two um, people returning. Of course, we had Tony Storm returning. And of course, the one we predicted as well, that would be uh, the person returning at TakeOver, which was Ember Moon, which was really exciting to see. Uh, that women's division now looks absolutely stacked yeah I think it definitely looks stacked I think it was a, a strange way for them to return I think it it was great to see Tony Storm and Ember Moon there but um, it didn't really make sense to me in parts I think you've got to look at this like we do that match with Ayo Shirai where she retains the belt and then you've got Tony Storm on the screen but then you have Ember Moon straight after I, I just didn't understand why they did that I think they should have saved Tony Storm for sort of NXT this week did you think it, it was a bit silly having two debut or returns one after another really uh, well, what I would say with it is, I mean, you can overshadow someone by having yeah. two returns at the same time. So in some ways, I think you're right. My, my only thing with it is that I do feel potentially, I mean, we mentioned Rhea Ripley earlier in the video. Some people are going to go from NXT to Raw and SmackDown in the next week, I would imagine. So looking at the ones that we've got, I feel that now this division looks really stacked once again like I say with these two women coming in you look at it now and feel that the championship picture is so fresh as well if someone like Dakota Kai Raquel Gonzalez could move up what if Candice and Johnny do go up you know all of a sudden you've got these new challengers at the top there and um, I mean they've probably been waiting for a while to come back I mean Ember Moon like she said she's been out for 14 months probably been itching to get back in she had the opportunity to actually have a match this week which I think was very clever as well to have her in a tag team match to begin with there of course with Rhea Ripley uh, defeating Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez. It'll be interesting to see what the dynamic will be going forward. Tony Storm has not been on TV now for a number of months. It's great to get her back in. I think TakeOver as well is probably a great spot to have these women come back in and make their name as well, just purely because, well, it's TakeOver. Normally that's where all the eyes are, the, the big stories, the yeah. big things happen. And I think as well, where they wanted to, in my opinion, I think TakeOver wanted to make new stars. I think they wanted to evolve from this going forward and say the future is here now of NXT and that we will look back at that TakeOver in time and say that's where it all began. I think with these two women, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to get one from the past, one for the future in NXT UK and say, boom, here's the best women's division in wrestling. Fair point. I kind of accept that. I guess that's the point. Um, yeah, I think it's great to see them back. I think... Um, 
I, Ember Moon was good to see her on NXT. I didn't particularly enjoy her opening promo. I felt it didn't fit the character that she's supposedly meant to be now. So I thought that was a bit silly, but it's great to see her back. I think she can do some great work in NXT. It's great to see her get the big win this week as well. Absolutely. I wouldn't actually agree with that on the promo. I think that she was so happy to be back that she just yeah, couldn't stop just... smiling. But then if you look at the, the original Viginettes, that, that there's nothing about sort of happiness or anything. It's all about, I'm going to get revenge almost. And it's really mysterious. We've got the green lights and the almost Terminator type stuff. It just didn't really fit to me. There wasn't any continuity, but it's a small critique. But um, I'm glad that she was the one that was, that was that sort of back. I'm glad we got that prediction right. It kind of, it was the right choice, WWE. I'm so glad they did that instead of um, Bo Dallas. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's great to have her back and uh, she's going to do some great work in NXT and I think we've probably, like you say there, it didn't really fit, but I think maybe we're slowly building towards something. She certainly was signaling she wants that championship, so even if it's in a babyface role, that could be interesting. I think with Tony Storm, though, she's been a babyface previously. I feel she's teasing potentially a heel run just before we move on from this because, uh, I mean, she had a Cancun uh, you know, set where she was training, coming back. We're going to see a Tony Storm we've never seen before. Uh, she's been a squeaky babyface previously I think that we could get a, you know, a bit more attitude in Tony going forward. Yeah, you never know. I think the thing is, Io Shirai is going to need a heel opponent. So I think, I think that would definitely work. I think Tony Storm as a, as a heel could work as well. It's just great to also see her back. Hopefully this new character really works. But I think, I think as I said, we'll have Tony Storm as a heel. We'll have probably Ember Moon as maybe a tweener. And that'll give Io Shirai some new opponents, which is a positive. Absolutely. That's all you can ask for, really, isn't it? Of course, freshening things up there. And like we said that we've had, uh, you know, many new stars made there from TakeOver. And one of them, unfortunately, has not had the best week since. And of course, we're talking about Ridge Holland now. And uh, Ridge Holland, of course, was the closing part of TakeOver after a fantastic match with Finn Balor and Carla Riley, which, of course, sadly had to be cut slightly short. Finn Balor, of course, actually broke his jaw. Uh, but uh, thankfully, he will be back soon. And uh, hopefully, he has to relinquish the championship at least. Him and Carla Riley had an amazing match. Just want to scream it out there. Finn Balor retained the championship. But of course, after that big show of respect, the big shake of hands, uh, Ridge Holland delivered a absolutely battered Adam Cole uh, ringside there, which was the real big cliffhanger, really. It kind of felt that, uh, what is the case here? What's going to be going forward? Have we got this new megastar in Ridge Holland? Well, we fast forward to NXT TV this week, and we had a what was I thought was a solid match between Ridge Holland and Danny Birch. And, uh, of course, Wade Barrett always sells the Brits very well, doesn't he, on commentary? Does a great job of building them both up. Ridge Holland, of course, picked up the victory there, uh, absolutely destroying Danny Birch after the ring, uh, after the rung, bell had been rung. Uh, we had only Lorcan come out to try and make the save. Uh, first off, he wasn't successful. He then came flying over the top rope and then uh, actually not reached the ground. Had another scuffle in the ring. Was unsuccessful again. In my opinion, slightly unnecessary to do it a third time uh, where only looking one to make the save there. He came over the top rope for the second time. It was clear the Richonin was supposed to catch only locking, but that wasn't successful. You saw the leg sign of tweak and buckle, and you heard a big scream from Ridge Holland, which uh, is not nice to see. The cameras then, just to show that it definitely was something genuine as well, the cameras just completely went off Ridge Holland. You didn't see anything going on at that point. It stayed strictly with Oni and Danny Birch in the ring. Uh, we went to a commercial, we came back, we saw Ridge Holland being, uh, of course, on the stretcher, wheeled out of the brand new, uh, you know, wrestling centre we've got there, the Capital Wrestling Centre. And uh, we can only wish him a speedy recovery. It looked gruesome. It didn't look good. And, of course, this may put a lot of the booking plans into Rich Holland and the Undisputed Era into complete disarray. 
Yeah, well, what a shame. I thought it was an excellent match. Um, yeah, real sorry for, for Rich Holland. I hope he recovers soon. Um, and as you said, it really puts the book into dismay. I think the whole thing we're going to have a, a Rich Holland and a Cole feud down the line. So Rich Holland's going to get some big push. So it's a real shame. And I think um, it's just a shame, really, because they were writing such a good angle. I think the whole thing with the UE potentially being the ones that paid Rich Holland the Mercedes, I think that would have been a really good payoff. But uh, we're probably not going to get that. I just hope it's a speedy recovery and we get Rich Holland back soon to pay off this angle, hopefully. Fingers crossed that it's not something too serious and that it can come back in a couple of months and we can maybe revisit this somewhere down the line. But um, yeah, that, that uh, initial screen didn't look good. But if there is one bit of promising sign there, uh, there was a thumb up as he was going out of the arena, of course, being wheeled off on the stretcher. So maybe that was a sign of saying he is okay. And hopefully uh, it isn't going to be too long on the shelf of Ridge Holland. But we do wish him a speedy recovery here from SCW. Uh, one bit of light note from NXT that I wanted to talk about this week because we've been seeing it for weeks and it's kind of, it's felt like nonsense in place with Drake Maverick and Killian Dane, but um, damn it, I was sports entertained this week and I don't even care if I get stick for it. I really enjoyed it. Drake Maverick's interview uh, on the outside like he usually does there before coming into the uh, the performance centre uh, saying that they're a team now, they've been going over strategy and look out for the new theme music uh, when these two come to the ring. Uh, it was absolute nonsense and of course Killian Dane hated the idea of this, but they had a match against Everrise um, and of course the, this music was just, it felt something like um, a song that, that was called Young Folks over the about 10 years ago had that kind of like whistling kind of sound you see Drake Maverick sort of just tapping, clicking his fingers and you know, jigging from side to side, it looked absolutely awful, the music was cut halfway down the entranceway, it's that bad um, although Young Folks is a good song but just doesn't fit for wrestling environment um, but um, literally like you see these guys coming to the ring, they do get the victory over Everrise but of course Killian Dane can't stand to tag him for a whole match, there's a power bomb that's led to the pinfall on Drake Maverick onto the top of the Everrise member whose name unfortunately I'm not sure of at this particular time they pick up the victory, when Drake Maverick realises he's got the victory, he's doing the music's playing again. He's off for the lip dance again. And of course, Killing Day can't stand it. He's got to knock him to the ground, doesn't he? One, to, to, literally out for the count. But literally, he does pick him up and he carries him over the way back to the locker room, which to the point Drake Maverick comes back round, realises he's been carried to the back and the big thumb up and the big smile there. It looks like we've got a, an odd match tag team going forward with these two. But potentially, this could be comedy gold like Daniel Bryan and Kane back in 2012. What do you reckon? Yeah, um, a couple of points. So the music's basically like the best of Mr. Bean almost. That, that's the first point there. It was it was quite good. And I'll definitely put it out there now. This is probably controversial, but it's probably the best theme music in terms of catchiness since Fandango's. This music's going to be big, man. I think the crowds are really getting to it. I think the characters' work was great from both of them. I think it was great to see Drake get a fresh kind of new character. And I really kind of enjoyed the work. I think this almost reminds me of a Game of Thrones reference. It's almost the the uh, sort of uh, Arias Stark and the mountain almost. It's almost like you, it's an inconvenience for him to be kind of there, if that makes sense. But um, I kind of really, really enjoyed it. I think this tag team's fun. The comedy's a good thing. Uh, it gives Kenny and Dane something to do. And as I said, I want to hear that music again, so I can't wait to get on YouTube. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. Like I say, it's, it's all for wrestling, but I tell you what, people are going to get involved in it. I must admit, I did have a little giggle you know, when they came down the ring and stuff, and I, I want to see more of this. I think it's really good, and NXT's tag team division has been lacking a bit, so it's good to see they're taking two of the single stars, putting them together, making something fun, and we're going to see what it's going to lead to going forward, and I think there's, there's a bright future for these guys. Can you actually imagine, just to say this, Drake Maverick and Killian Dane against Breezango, what kind of feud them two could have, these two face tag teams? It could be absolutely bonkers. Yeah, it could be fun. Imagine some of the gimmicks and some of the stipulations. I think it'll be quite entertaining, as you said. 
absolutely i couldn't wait to see that but uh, one little fun little news story that's breaking actually this afternoon i did happen to notice this uh, just just before we came on air today and of course we mentioned some of the british athletes that we've been mentioning there of course uh, drake maverick killian dane there uh, and of course rich holland rich holland is previously a rugby player and apparently there's been a professional football or if you're american soccer player that has had contact uh with wwe and Af afin fenwa the wickham uh, pre uh well wickham championship striker uh he actually has had contact with wwe on two different the beast uh the beast indeed is what he's called wow. he's an absolute tank uh on on uh, if you if you play your fifas or anything like that this is the strongest player on the game he literally looks like he could go next to the guys of batista or whatever and look like he would fit literally but um he's a very charismatic guy as well he's very entertaining uh there's definitely some clips on youtube for people going to check him out or how entertaining he can be um but uh, something you said that of course right now he is a wickham striker he will not be uh involved with ww going forward but he said that uh, he's very passionate about professional wrestling and he does plan to try and get back in contact with them one day um what are your thoughts with this story? I know this is a bit out of left field, but um, he could be quite entertaining in some form of WWE, maybe NXT UK? Yeah, he definitely could be entertaining. I can't believe you said that. That's a shock. I didn't know that. That's a swerve. But um, no, I think he could be fun. I think he's got great charisma. Clearly, he's a prolific goal scorer. He's got quite a known name here in the United Kingdom, which I think is good. And um, yeah, why not? I think uh, it worked for people such as Vinnie Jones with WWE. Why could it not work for him, I think? Absolutely. I agree with you 100% there. I think that's uh, something, one of those things you can say, watch this space. It could be very exciting to see him uh, perhaps involved with WWE somewhere down the line. Um, if it doesn't happen, he'll probably be on Soccer Saturday. One or the other, I'll be entertained. I'll watch both. So uh, I'll be quite happy. But uh, let's move on to AEW, All Elite Wrestling, shall we? And uh, that has been a mega week as well. There were a couple of very interesting keynotes going on. And let's start with what could be... Uh, well, I mean, it's what the show was based around. 30 years of Chris Jericho. Le Champion, Le Demogod, the one million viewer. Uh, literally, this guy has been around for so many years and he's had so many entertaining moments. Uh, of course, he was at the featured main event of the show. He was involved in a tag team match team in with Jake Hager. They've been, of course, involved in the tag team division recently in AEW. Uh, they took on Chaos Project, which, of course, had Luther, which I know is a long-term uh, you know, friend of Chris Jericho as well, which I'm sure for sentimental value, that would probably mean a lot for Chris Jericho. And, um, yeah, Jericho came out on top. There were some great, um, you know, sentimental packages, video packages done throughout the night for Chris Jericho. The likes of Shaquille O'Neal there, Slash, uh, giving video messages, of course, uh, professional wrestlers like DDP, uh, Lance Storm. Uh, interesting, Don Callis, and, of course... Um, Tanahashi as well from New Japan Pro Wrestling as well uh, was involved on that. So lots of uh, names involved in the pro wrestling world there. And uh, I think that um, it's been a great 30 years of Chris Jericho. Let's talk about some of his best moments, George. George, what was your, what's some of your favorite moments of Jericho? I think my favorite all-time Jericho moment has to be August 9th, 1999, where he debuted on uh, WWE Raw. Clearly, there was such a hype with the whole sort of countdown and all that lot. And I felt the gimmick at the time, he wasn't particularly treated very well in WCW. So when he came in and was straight at the top with The Rock, I felt it was great. It's still something that sticks with me now. And I think uh, it just seems like yesterday to me, that debut. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, that was definitely one of the most special moments. I remember we had the countdown clock going on for weeks and weeks and weeks with the uh, the Millennium Bug almost of his debut. And uh, like you say, they'd have the, you know, 
the mic off with with him and the rock it was absolutely incredible that the, the place was electric watching it was uh, certainly one of the all-time best raw moments and best debuts of all time as well um uh, some of mine i don't have to say of course we have to have the list of jericho certainly one that's been more up to date but uh, in his latter wwe days but certainly was a, a lot of entertaining moments one that's been floating around on twitter this week of course the exchange with the new day which was a lot of fun seeing the new day get so upset that they were put on the list of course that led to of course the uh, feud with kevin owens as well that festival of friendship was definitely uh, a highlight at its time. Uh, Chris Jericho's work in 2008 as well, I think needs a quick mention. His rivalry with Shawn Michaels definitely has to be one of the best rivalries I think we've seen with Jericho. Um, and of course, with his AEW work, we can't forget we're talking about AEW. A little bit of the bubbly definitely has to stand out there. And uh, his work with uh, Sammy Guevara as well, they've, they've done some great stuff, which has created some great content for social media. Yeah, definitely. I think a couple of honourable mentions I've got as well. I've got to give it to him in terms of uh, back in 2007 where he had that big, the code is breaking promo and the whole Virginettes, that whole build was genius and the big return of Jericho. And also back in 2012 when it was um, the end of the world as we know it, I really enjoyed that whole build-up. I think that's one good thing about Jericho. No matter how many years passed, he did a great job of building himself up and teasing the audience in terms of returns. I really think that's um, credit to him, really. He was ahead of his time, in my opinion, with a lot of the Virginettes. Absolutely. He was always a, a person that could reinvent his character, keep himself fresh, keep himself relevant, and he's still going today. And I mean, you know, when you look at the likes of, you know, people like Don Callis saying he wants to see another 30 years of Jericho, I'm not sure we'll quite get that. I mean, his father, Ted Irvine, actually said that we'll have a couple more years of great stuff, I'm sure, to come. And uh, I'm sure we will. AEW have, uh, you know, really benefited having Jericho there. He's helping building the future stars of tomorrow. It looks like MGF could be that next star there. We still have been teasing that feud there going on there. And uh, of course, MGF did come out at the end of the show there brought out a clown brought out a picture of himself as presence there interviewing of course uh, interrupting shall I say Chris Jericho's interview time at the end of the show uh, Chris Jericho of course the given the Judas effect as well onto the clown he hates clowns and uh, told MGF not to interrupt him again uh, certainly it's gonna be interesting what's going on with these two do we think that we could be actually building to where they're going to be partners or rivals for all out I'm hoping it's rivals uh, for full gear sorry should I say um, yeah, I think it's going to be partners at the beginning and I think it will end up in rivals, but I've got to give AEW credit. Um, when I saw that this week, I burst out laughing. It was one of the funniest things I'd seen on wrestling in a while. I think the clown was genius. I think MGF, uh, they're really building him up and I really enjoyed it. I felt the, the, the getting the whole Chris Jericho being a baby face for one night almost and then getting MGF there in a prominent spot, I enjoyed it. I thought the clown was entertaining. I loved the picture. I thought the picture over the clown's head was brilliant and I just felt it was um, comedy gold. Credit to AEW. They really got me laughing hard this week. Yeah, they did a really good job here, AEW, in total. And the, the way they closed off the show as well. And I like uh, the fact that the whole heel roster come to celebrate the 30 years yeah. of Jericho at the end there. Because like you say, he was a babyface, but it was like he was a babyface where um, it wasn't too much. It wasn't over-the-top babyface. It was like he was still Chris Jericho, but we respected. You know, kayfabe wasn't necessarily broken. It was like we, we respect Chris Jericho this week for his 30 years. I love the fact that we had the screen work as well with the credits there when Chris Jericho did it. He was yeah, involved with the lighting, brilliant. the camera work, and everything yeah. that was involved. It was all done by Chris Jericho, and uh, I, I thought that it was a, a nice little touch of genius as well. Yeah, definitely. I think that was, a, as you said, it was a funny way to end the show and a perfect send-off for Chris Jericho. Other things from AEW this week that was very interesting, of course, potentially match of the year candidate here. The dog collar match, of course, um, it was, of course, involving Cody and, of course, the TNT champion Brody Lee. The title was on the line between these two. Um, it just felt important from the get-go. You had some of Cody's 
people come out with him. Some of Brody Lee's uh, Dark Order come out with him, but it was cleared as well for the start of the match. Minus John Silver, he seemed to stay out there for, for certainly the first half of the match there. And Cody quickly took him out with, with the uh, dog collar as well from the very get-go at the start of the match. Uh, Greg Hammer Valentine was in audience uh, in attendance here watching this. He looked well into the match as well. Uh, of course, hyping the big Starcade 83 match that he had with Roddy Piper, of course. That was the apparently the last televised dog collar match between uh, on television, which was quite nice to see. But this was bloody. It was brutal. Uh, everyone got themselves over in this match. It wasn't overbooked, even though there was a few people that were interrupting place in this match. But um, And there were some big spots as well. Even during the commercial break, you had the big table spot there where there was a big pile drive. It was very innovative with this dog collar, how they did stuff. I really, particularly my favourite moment of the match, I think, was uh, with Cody pulling onto the chain and uh, of course Broly had to come flying off the ring apron and he went straight into a cutter I thought that was such a lovely little touch there done there uh, but as we got to the close of the match between these two like I say both blooded at this point and uh, we see the crossroads hit on Brody Lee and he kicked out at one this big sort of sit up and really kind of not selling it blood running down his face it just was a real visual moment uh, we got to a point though where Cody hit it a second time got the one two three this televised match had to gone well over 25 minutes but I thought it was an absolute spectacle if you haven't seen it you need to go and watch it definitely absolutely brilliant um Cody your brand new TNT champion what were your thoughts of this match Absolutely fantastic. I think both wrestlers came across with so much credit. This was a pay-per-view level match. The level of violence was pretty second to none. Uh, you could tell why it was TV. I think the bumps were crazy. I like the way that AEW, even when there was a massive bump during the other, as you said, they went back and showed it, which was genius. And I really like it. I think the only thing I kind of probably let down a bit was the fact that we've got uh, Cody win the belt. I think Cody is far too good for this belt. I thought it was a bit disappointing he won the belt, but... Um, I enjoyed it. I think that doesn't really take anything away from the match. I think the match was definitely one of the best matches AEW done this year. Absolutely. I almost felt a little bit that uh, perhaps maybe Brody was holding the title while uh, Cody's away doing other commitments. But um, certainly, I think everyone got over in this match. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see this feud continue in some format. But um, we've got a new uh, championship contender next week. Orange Cassidy will be, of course, going for the championship against Cody. Cody had a very passionate um, celebration and interview after the match. They're saying that maybe he should go down a different path. No way. He's the guy that's working 15 years. He wants to do this for the people. He's remaining. He wants more or less saying, I'm remaining a baby face. I'm going to continue doing these open challenges. And uh, yeah, it's great to see that uh, Cody is going to stay this way. And uh, it should be a great match with Cassidy next week. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, definitely. I think a couple of things. I think the promo was excellent from Cody. I think if it's down the line, say a year's time, he turns heel, I think it's going to be that much better. I think he's um, he's really connected with the fans. He's really sort of putting himself over as a babyface, which is good. The Orange Cassidy thing next week will be slightly interesting. For me, Orange Cassidy, he's had numerous title shots at the TNT title. He's never done it. Next week, maybe the week he actually does it. Do we see Orange Cassidy pulling off the shot next week and getting this big win over Cody to finally get Cody free to do something else, maybe? It would be interesting if they did that. I mean, the thing is, Orange Cassidy, of course, like you said, only had a, a shot a couple of weeks ago, and uh, maybe they wouldn't want him to take the title of Brody Lee, but they're happy to take it off Cody. Maybe Brody Lee costs Cody the championship, so like you say, it goes to Cassidy, and both can continue their feud going off without the championship. There's certainly a possibility. Uh, I wouldn't rule it out at this point. Yeah, definitely. I think I think it's going to be um, an eventful show, that's for sure. I think it's great they're building matches for next week already, the one year of Dynamite. 
Absolutely. We've got FTR, of course, uh, uh, going to be taking on best friends as well for the Tag Team Championships. That should be really exciting. Uh, the Wiener T-shirts were quite entertaining this week, I must admit. But uh, also we've got the AEW World Championship. John Moxley will be taking on Lance Archer. Uh, and of course, this is what's going to lead to another interesting note here because Tanahashi was involved with Chris Jericho's video work. But also to promote this match, they used the Wrestle Kingdom footage uh, from January this year of Moxley versus Archer. Um, is this the first... Uh, tease we've got potentially that AEW and New Japan could be actually willing to work together in a relationship going forward. Uh, yeah, maybe. The thing is, obviously, New Japan's head honcho, Harold Maid, I think he's no longer going to be with New Japan, so I think they're just kind of phasing that out, if that makes sense. But um, you never know. It's great to see New Japan on sort of AEW. I think it gives, if both companies can work together, that'll definitely be something else that we don't, don't have like a partner to work with, which I think would be really good. Absolutely. Like you say, if you build towards Wrestle Kingdom, you've got the likes of Moxley and Jericho going over. But for AEW events, to have the likes of someone like Tanahashi, Okada, Naito, you know, there's some great stars there that could be adding some value there uh, to, to the AEW product. And it would be exciting to see if any of those names would come in somewhere further down the line. So, uh, yeah, I'd be excited to see that. I think AEW did a great solid job this week. Really enjoyed the show. But um, let's move on to Impact Wrestling very, very quickly. Um, what I found very interesting this week, of course, Heath Slater, or Heath, he's just Heath these days uh, was having contract negotiations uh, on impact this week with uh, Scott Demore and um, of course his demands were a bit too much for Scott of course Scott was willing to give him a contract but not to all the things that uh, Heath wanted Heath turned down this contract at the time he wants more uh, when coming out and speaking to Rhino and this is the very interesting part of this was speaking to Rhino afterwards was did you sign the contract no no I didn't sign the contract uh, he didn't want to give me the things I wanted to give now remember I went back on Raw with Drew and also after that amazing work I did on that night WWE offered me something and you talked me out of it to come to Slammiversary. Now, is this something that's in kayfabe or is this something that genuinely happened? Uh, it's interesting to think that he may have actually been offered to come back to WWE, but instead opted to go to Impact Wrestling. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. I, I don't know if I can see that. I think the thing is with it is Heath knew clearly if he went back to WWE, he'd only be treated as probably an opening at Mikada. So I think in AEW, or not AEW, sorry, Impact Wrestling, he's been treated a bit better. He's obviously not a main eventer as of yet, but um, I think it gives him something new. I think he gives him a real chance to relaunch himself in Impact. So I'm not too sure if it's legit or not really. No, we'll have to see how it's going to play out. But certainly it's building to a very interesting storyline. certainly was a noteworthy thing from this week. And uh, I'm interested to see how they're going to make it because Heath obviously is clearly part of this roster. How they're going to do it on TV terms is going to be very fun to see. Maybe we just have to wait till Bound for Glory. But speaking for Bound for Glory, we've got another match that's been added uh, to the show now. We've got the X Division Championship in that six-way scramble match. is interesting. Rohit Raju has been trying to avoid defending the championship fairly at all costs. It's now come against him and he's got five contenders in the scramble match. He's got TJP, he's got Trey, he's got Chris Bay, Willie Mack and Jordan Grace all that are going to be gunning for that championship. And uh, a scramble match, if it's done the same as what WWE did back in the day, uh, I believe uh, in 2008 and 2009 they did these matches and uh, we had, I believe, two people start in the ring and then someone would join every few minutes. Pinfalls would happen and then you'd have a time limit finish and whoever was the champion at the end was the champion overall. And uh, that certainly could be an exciting match that could be brought to the card. It sounds like a fun match. I'm looking forward to seeing it, definitely. Yeah, it should be indeed. Uh, definitely looking forward to Bound for Glory and uh, we'll definitely be doing more uh, videos for Bound for Glory as we go towards that event. It's now, uh, it's going to be October 24th, so it's not too far away. Um, but um, we're going to go to another segment now on this uh, podcast, George, which uh, we haven't done before, which is going to be 
on this week. So something that's happened this week in professional wrestling from another year. And uh, we're going to have a quick discussion about that before we close off the show this week. So, George, what you got for us? Yeah, so 7th October. But 1996, uh, on this week uh, of wrestling, um, so many years ago, we had none other than Jeff Jarrett make his WCW debut, where there was teasers of him joining the NWO, and he turned out which was WCW. What was your kind of memory of, of this kind of period with, with WCW and Jeff Jarrett kind of making his shock debut? Absolutely, but it did really tell me my surprise. In fact, to be honest, I've just been reliving a lot of 1997 uh, on the network uh, recently in recent times. So I've seen Jeff Jarrett's coming in his debut and they did so many weeks teasing of whether he was going to be a good guy, bad guy, like you say, is he WCW, is he NWO? He was all about the Horseman. He wanted to be a member of the Horseman and that was a, a big thing for him during that time. And of course, he ended up with a, a partnership for a little while with Steve Monger McMichael as well. Uh, Deborah was really keen on him being part of the Four Horsemen. It wasn't long-lived uh, for him on WCW. He was only there for about a year, but um, he certainly was always someone that was featured heavily on Nitro, a lot of story match telling with his matches as well. Um, he certainly had a lot going about him. So, uh, I mean, there are some positive memories looking back, but um, I always felt that uh, Jeff Jarrett did his better work in WWE in later years. Yeah, definitely. I think it was a crazy kind of acquisition. I think if you look at it, Jeff Jarrett had only been kind of known in WWE as Double J, and he was in USWA as kind of a, a main eventer. So the fact you see him back in WCW, it was a bit of a one one of the big sort of shocks, if that makes sense. Clearly, when this didn't work, Jeff Jarrett went on to WWE, where he kind of did his whole sort of attitude against women angles and that type of stuff, where he won the Intercontinental title and stuff like that. And then he obviously comes back to WCW right at the end, where he's kind of the world champion almost. It's a, it's a great sort of massive swerve if that makes sense or great progress throughout his career but it's an interesting look back and I think it's great to look back at sort of history of, the, of this week so many years on I think it'll be quite a fun element we can discuss going forward on the podcast Absolutely indeed I agree with 100% and let's not forget as well his early work of course with Total Non-Stop Action as well TNA of course we've been talking about Impact just a short moment ago and it leads us into what we're going with now and of course Global Force Wrestling as well Jeff Jarrett has been around and doing so much for the business of course now working I believe once again now with WWE as a producer if I'm not mistaken yeah, he does. Yeah, he's a producer. Um, you never. It's really surprising when you look at it, though. Like, bear in mind, WWE obviously kind of fired him. He had a really bad blood with Vince McMahon when WCW kind of went bust, and Vince publicly fired him because Jarrett held him up for money at No Mercy. I think it was No Mercy '99 where he held him up for money, and he wouldn't drop the belt to China. But then it's amazing how in wrestling everyone sort of becomes friends again most of the time. It always seems that a lot of the time that uh, time heals all wounds, but uh, certainly is uh, definitely a fun memory. And Jeff Jarrett's certainly someone that's done a lot in the wrestling business. So it's nice to finish off the This Week in Wrestling this week talking about Jeff Jarrett. But um, is there anything you would like to touch on just quickly before we close this week's show? No, uh, really thank you for having me on again. It's been another fantastic uh, discussion. We're looking forward to covering the WrestleMania 17 next week. Um, but no, thank you for everybody for watching and listening. Please leave your comments and stuff like that below. It's great to hear kind of interaction. Absolutely. We do love to interact on this channel, as you say there. Drop a comment in the comments below. And, uh, of course, you're living on podcast form. Uh, then drop over to the YouTube channel as well. Why not go over there, check out some of the other videos that's been going on, SCW, the wrestling channel. Just type that in the search engine. You can find us and uh, subscribe. Hit the bell. Be aware of when videos are coming out. And, uh, of course, you can check out my WWE draft predictions as well. Therefore, it goes in full in-depth on that one. A nice 30-minute video for you there. And uh, good to see that there's been some nice uh, positive feedback as well from people that have been watching the video as well. So uh, make sure to go and check it out. But um, that's all from us anyway. I uh, hope you've enjoyed it this week. And uh, this has been This Week in Wrestling here on YouTube and, of course, on podcast form. And uh, we'll see you next time. Take care. Have yourselves a great week. You've been watching SCW.